What a joy it is to be here with you all today again. And as we continue in the series of living a godly life in an ungodly world, we'll continue to look at the life of King Asa in Second Chronicles chapter 15. Second Chronicles chapter 15, and we'll pick up right where we left off last week in verse 10, and we'll read through 19. We're living a godly life in an ungodly world. Today's message is about renewing the covenant to worship God in our lives. It has been sweet worship already in this place today. If you are physically able, I would invite you to stand with me as I read from God's Holy Word, Second Chronicles chapter 15, beginning in verse 10. They were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. But that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath. For they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Maacah, his mother, King Asa removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook of Kidron. But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father, and his sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the thirty-fifth year of the reign of Asa. And all of God's children said, may God add his blessings to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. In this series of living a godly life in an ungodly world, for weeks now we have been looking at the life of King Asa and how God used Asa to bring reformation and renewal and refreshment and revival in the Holy Land. In God's kingdom, under God's people. And he used Asa mightily. And here we see just another chapter, another part of that chapter of Asa's life. That Asa had heard the word of the Lord through the prophet Azariah. And told him to continue in the work of removing these idols from God's holy land. And Asa had continued to do that. And then today, we see him gathering the people at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of his reign as king. And there he's leading them in worship, public and private worship. We read today about the life of King Asa. Wow, what a life he lived. He truly found God worthy of worship. 
this is an older name, but many of us will remember, and you young people, you look up this name if you are not familiar with him. Cal Ripken Jr. was is called the Iron Man of Baseball. And he played back when I was younger. On September 6, 1995, he broke the record held by Lou Gehrig of 2,130 consecutive games played. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. Of course, there were days that consecutive streak was in danger. One of those we read of was in 1993 where Ripken was involved in a bench-clearing brawl. It was later... Uh, written that Ripken twisted his knee that night, and when he woke up the next morning, he could barely put any weight on it. He told his wife, Kelly, that he might not be able to play that night. According to his wife, Kelly, she said, just before he left for the ballpark, I said, maybe you could just play an inning and then come out, but he snapped, no. Either I play the whole game or I don't play at all. And I told him, just checking, dear. Ripken did play the full nine innings that night, and again, is known as the Iron Man of Baseball. You know, in any pursuit, whatever it is, we face the temptation to lower our standards, to get complacent, to do just enough to get by. Kyle Ripken Jr. had committed himself to walk worthy of the title Iron Man, the question today is, will we commit our lives to walk worthy of being called a child of God? Or will we lower our standards? Will we do just enough to give by? I pray not for myself and for everyone in this room as well. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that you might use your servant now to speak to your people fresh and anew, Lord, and that we would all here today, no matter whether we've been a Christian for many years or a short time, that we would renew our covenant to worship you and to walk with you in our daily lives. As it has been prayed this morning, also we pray that there will be some under the sound of my voice today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fall heavy upon their souls and that you would draw them to the throne of grace and that they would find you worthy of being their Lord, God, Redeemer and that they might come to you as a child would come to his father asking you into their heart. Lord, take over this service and we thank you for the sweetness that we have already experienced here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As said before, we see King Asa leading the people to worship publicly, but we also see King Asa worshiping privately or in his personal decisions of his daily life. He's making decisions, conscious, willing decisions to worship God. In preparing for this message this week, I thought about what are the active parts of a worship service. That thought and prayer by myself and others is taken into consideration before we even come to this place. I don't want to make this just like a seminary class, but uh, hold with me just a moment and 
Look at the active parts of worship in a worship service. One is adoration. We adore God. We heard that in the, in the first uh, choir special today. Honor and majesty are before you. We lift up your holy name. We were adoring the Lord our God. That is a part of worship. Another part of worship is something that you've also heard in our prayers today, the forgiveness. And no doubt others, you have prayed privately as you've entered this place, as you were preparing your hearts for worship last night. But confession, Lord, forgive us. Wash us whiter than snow. Cleanse us. Help us overcome our sins with your Holy Spirit. That is a part, an active part, a working part of worship. And you've heard that today. Another is assurance. We gather in a public setting and in a worship service, we get, we find assurance of the promises of God. Also, another part of a public worship service is thanksgiving. We've heard that today in the hymns that we sang, in the offering that we gave. Thanksgiving. We gave Him thanks. We found Him worthy and gave Him thanks. Another part is for intercession and praying for others. You heard Brother Steve read a prayer list of those that need a mighty touch from God. And we've whispered prayers upon our lips and asked the Lord to touch them as well. Another important part of a worship service is instruction. We gather and we are instructed through the Word of God. We open our minds and our hearts to receive a word from God that will impact and change our life. There are other aspects like communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, which we are not partaking of today, but is a very important part of a worship service, of receiving the blessing of God. These were all important parts of the worship service that came out of the Reformation especially. Men like Martin Luther and Calvin and many others John Knox, uh, they started to form a liturgy for the worship service, and these important parts, working parts of a worship service, were brought into play. Except for the Lord's Supper, as I said, we've seen, uh, we, we've seen today and are seen, even through this, the instruction of this message, but you even heard instruction in the song that Aaron sang. You're drifting too far from the shore. We've seen all of these parts working today, whether we were conscious of them or not, working today in our worship service. Adoration, confession, assurance, thanksgiving, intercession, instruction. These are public aspects of worship. But aren't they also parts of our personal and private worship? Shouldn't they be? Shouldn't we live our life giving the Lord adoration? Daily confessing our weaknesses, our sins. Daily receiving assurance. Giving the Lord thanksgiving. Intercessory prayer for others. Allowing ourselves to re receive instruction through Bible study and reading of the Word of God. They should and they are when we find our Lord, as we sing today, worthy of worship. That word worship in its original root is worth-ship. You find God worthy as a higher, more powerful deity 
and you look to Him and you ascribe worth to Him. So we looked at the working parts of worship or how true and biblical worship reveals itself, and really that's what it is. These aspects that we looked at today, these are ways that worship reveals itself. It manifests itself. What's producing these? What's producing adoration? What's producing confession? What is producing assurance and thanksgiving and intercession and instruction? One is, that, as we said, that you're finding God worthy of these things. And not only publicly in the public worship service, but personally and privately in your daily life. You're finding Him worthy on Monday of adoration, just as you did on Sunday morning of adoration. You were interceding on Tuesday like you did on Sunday. You are giving thanksgiving unto Him and sacrificing to Him on Wednesday like you do Sunday. You are finding instruction through the Word of God on Thursday like you did on Sunday. And we continue on in that. We find Him worthy of our worship each day and every day and on the Lord's day. But what else is producing that? We find Him worthy, and when we find Him worthy, then we'll do what King Asa did, and that is we will sacrifice unto the Lord, and we will be obedient unto the Lord. Listen to me, our theme is how to live a godly life in an ungodly world. And the point is this, one cannot live a genuine godly life without the worship of the one true God, and one cannot truly worship without sacrifice and obedience. I'm going to say that last part again. One cannot truly worship without sacrifice and obedience. So that means that even though we might gather on a Lord's Day or a Wednesday night or any other day publicly, it doesn't mean we're truly worshiping. Because we've not given adoration, we've not given thanksgiving, we've not given intercession, we've not found assurance, we've not confessed, we've not opened our hearts and our minds to receive the instruction of the Lord. We've not communed with God. We settled for less, so to speak. We went through the motions. We played the game. We did just enough to get by. True worship involves sacrifice and obedience, and we see these in Asa's life. We see them publicly as he's gathering the people together and making many sacrifices unto the Lord under the old covenant and how they renewed their covenant to worship Jehovah God and Israel again in Judah. That they would worship the Lord alone, and you hear of trumpets and horns, the ram horns sounding and shouting as they worship the Lord. And Asa led this as their king and brought about a worship revival there in God's holy land, the kingdom of God. But you also see him privately making decisions even about his mother, or as some translations would say his grandmother, Maacah, and he removed her from queen mother. That, that was a tough decision because she had 
made a detestable image for Asherah, a goddess, a false god. And he cut down her image and he crushed it and burned it. We see him also uh, bringing into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father, of his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels for the temple. We see public and private worship, sacrificial worship, obedient worship, and not only publicly in front of the people, but also personally in his life. Verse 11 again, it says, They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. Can you imagine the bloody mess that day of sacrifice, really? And yet they brought their best, and they brought it to the Lord. And I want to say this from that verse, that true sacrificial worship will be costly, and at times it will be messy in your daily life. It will inquire faith, and it will cost you something. And think of the livestock that they offered that day, how that could have been used for other parts of their business and life, and yet they brought it to the Lord that day. 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep they sacrificed on the altar. Yes, make no doubt about it, worship, true worship that involves sacrifice will be costly and messy at times. And that last verse we sing of how great thou art, it gave the beautiful gospel picture of Jesus Christ upon the cross. The greatest act of worship that has ever been given where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Redeemer, gave His life as the sacrifice to pay the price for my sins and your sins. And it was costly as pure holiness hung upon the cross and it was messy as His body was opened and His blood would flow and spill upon the ground and the streets that day. It was costly and it was messy, but it was a beautiful sacrifice, one that God accepted. When Jesus Christ gave Himself on the cross, God accepted that sacrifice and no longer do we have to bring oxen and sheep to an altar, but we look into the cross and we look into Christ and we plead the blood of Jesus Christ asking Him to wash us whiter than snow. And God is pleased with that sacrifice. But even in our daily life, our sacrifices, our acts of worship will cost us something. If it doesn't, we're not truly worshiping. If it doesn't, we're not truly finding God worthy of our worship. It will get messy at times. When you get involved with a body of people, and there's a lot of working parts and different people doing different things, it'll get messy at times. But it's worship. Again, in verse 17 and 18, we see him also being obedient. And the difficult decision that must have been to remove his mother or grandmother from being queen mother because of what she did. But he wanted to be obedient to the Lord. He found God worthy of worship, and he made tough decisions in his personal life. It would have been easy to settle for less. 
It would have been easy just to do enough to get by. Most people wouldn't even have blamed him if he said, you know what, King Asa, don't worry about what your mother did. Just just let it go. But King Asa just made a public display leading the people in the worship, renewing the covenant between God and God's people. And if it was good enough to lead them in a new covenant to to find God worthy of worship publicly, then it is also was good enough for him to make a tough decision personally as well. It comes with hard decisions and giving. And we think giving our all to the Lord is kind of like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and say, here's my life. I'm giving it all to you. It's sometimes easy come, easy go, right? But the reality of, of, for most of us, even though there are those times where we are empowered by the Lord with faith to, to do an extreme act, make an extreme decision to follow the Lord, to worship Him. But the reality for most of us is that He sends us to the bank and has us cash the $1,000 for quarters. And we have our pockets full of quarters, and we go through life putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents here, the next day 75 cents there. The next week, a dollar and quarters there. In other words, we're listening to the neighbors. We're giving an ear to a hurting friend. We go to the committee meeting. We come to the back-to-school block party, and we serve and we help. We give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. We put the sponge, the wet sponge in the mouth of a dying lady. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't this big glorious event like slapping the thousand dollars down and saying, I give it to God. It's, it's usually much less dramatic. It's all done in these little acts of worship to Christ each day. 25 cents at a time, so to speak. It'd be easy to go out in a flash of glory. Sometimes it is. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little, over the long haul. It said that day that they renewed the covenant to worship Him in and through their lives. Not just that day, but in and through their lives. They found God worthy again. The God that had led them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, that had brought them into this land, that they had drifted so far from the shore, from knowing Him. That they had all of these false God idols all in God's precious holy land. And there God used Asa to slowly remove and to lead them back to the worship of the Lord. Verse 17 really caught me this week. The first part is this. J.D. and I were talking about this in the office before church today. But the high places, and what he means there, the high places, these places of pagan worship that Asa had worked so hard to remove for many years in God's holy land, the high places were never completely removed. In this life, we never come to a point of complete perfection, do we, Steve? 
work as we may, and we should, with the help of the Lord, we never get all the idols removed from our life. But the sentence doesn't end there. That's a truth and a reality for all of us. No matter how much we grow, there's more to grow in until the Lord comes back and totally makes us new again. There's a comma in verse 17. It says, but the high places were not taken out of Israel, meaning they were not all removed in his reign. The heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. No, he didn't get everything done that he wanted to or should have, but he did devote his life to the Lord. And he did work diligently at it. And he restored worship in the glorious kingdom of God. That's a sentence about Asa's life. He, he didn't get everything done, but his heart was wholly true and devoted to the Lord all of his days. That's a great life sentence, isn't it? And I thought this week, what would be said of my life if it was in a sentence? You know, I'm a pastor. I've done quite a few funerals through the years. And even before that, grew up in a pastor's home and was part of a lot of funerals. I've sang a lot of funerals. And, and uh, I, one person's life sentence I've heard over and over is, she'd have done anything for anybody, gave her the shirt off her back. That wasn't true. She might have done that for people she liked, but she didn't do it for everybody. I've known a few of those people that I buried. <laughs> But I thought, what truly would be my life sentence when I leave this place? And I think that's an important question that we all have to ask ourselves today. What will be said of our lives? Would it be read as aces? that You know, they didn't get everything done. He had his failures. He had his disappointments. Had their losses. But he was wholly true to the Lord all of his days. And the question is, is the Lord worthy enough to devote your life to Him? Is He worthy of your worship, your worship? And not only publicly when we gather in these settings, but also privately, as the old-timers used to say, does your Monday match your Sunday? Remember the old preacher saying that? I'm going to close with an odd verse, and it's verse 13. And maybe some of you got a little hung up on that, and that's okay because... I, I have that same tendency. So here they are sacrificing. They're entering and they're renewing their covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. But it says in verse 13 that, but that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old man or woman. I don't know about you, but that's kind of hard to swallow this week reading that. But you have to put it in its context, and that's what I want to help you do for just a second. We would not practice that under the new covenant of Christ. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom now through the lives of his believers throughout the whole world. And the universal church of Christ is not going to practice that today. But I want to put that in context. Th these were, or this was God's chosen people. It was a kingdom in history on this earth. It was the kingdom of God. 
And I want you to understand it was a ruling government in the land that God had promised to give them and had done so. It was a literal kingdom that, had, that was governed by the king. And the king was to be a shepherd, if you will, to the people. Most did a terrible job, but Asa did a good job. No, we wouldn't do that today. And I heard a... Why did they have to be Baptists? But I heard that Baptist preacher from Tennessee on the news a few weeks ago uh, saying, and it was videoed, and him boldly saying, he was a police officer in the Knoxville area as well, or detective he was, and saying that, you know, homosexuals should be put to death. And uh, I just want to tell you, that's not the heart of Jesus Christ now. And I wish they'd quit finding these crazy Baptists. Can't they find any crazy Methodists? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that today. But that was the kingdom on this earth at that time. But I, I want to say this. I want to say this. Even though we do not practice that in this setting today, when God's everlasting kingdom does come, and it comes in fullness at Christ's return to rule and to reign. Those that didn't see the Lord as worthy to know and worship will too experience what is called the second death in Revelation by being separated from His goodness in a place called hell. And that's what we see represented here. We see something that happened in history, but it was just a picture of what truly will happen when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. And those that rejected Christ, those that found God not worthy to devote their life to, will experience eternal death by being separated from His grace and goodness in a place called hell. I want to say that it's been my prayer this week that truth will not be the reality for anyone in this room today, but that you would find Jesus worthy of worship, that you would devote your life to Him, and, and that also someday when they're placing our bodies in the ground, someone might give a sentence about our life like King Asus, and how we didn't get everything taken care of in our life, but we were truly devoted to the Lord God, our Savior. And may our lives point others to the Christ that is worthy of worship. Amen? Amen. Father, move in our midst. Help us all, Lord, to come to You in covenant relationship, trusting in Jesus Christ. And may every child of God here today renew their covenant, Lord, and that they would find you worthy again of sacrifice and obedience, of worship. And that out of our lives would pour out adoration, confession, assurance, thanksgiving, intercession, Lord. All of the beautiful working hearts of worship, and that a watching world would see us giving 
our worship to you and that they would be drawn to the throne of grace as well. Lord, you know each heart here today, including mine. You know what needs to be cleansed. You know what needs to be built upon. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit be free to do that today in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.